everybody. We're back with another commission podcast. This time it was courtesy Max, who pulled the trigger on the 1995 Hackers movie. Classic. Hackers. Classic Hackers movie. Uh, directed by Ian Softley, whose only work that I recognize other than Hackers was, uh, was it K-Pax? K- K-Pax, yeah. the Kevin Spacey's an alien movie. I like that one too. Yeah. Uh, starring Johnny Lee Miller, Angelina Jolie, uh, Fisher Stevens, and Lorraine Bracco. Uh, all of which, except for Johnny Lee, have gone on to do, or have done more, more interesting things in the past, or gone on to do interesting things in the future. Yeah. Uh, man, this was really a blast from the past. I realize I have never seen this movie in its entirety. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, back in the day... I don't know how you escaped it, honestly. <laughs> well... It, it, it came out in 95, so I was graduating, so I was still living with my parents. I don't know. I actually don't know why. Probably because um, I was too cool for school. Like, this is a thoroughly mm. ridiculous depiction of hacker culture, and it probably was offensive to me on that level. Because mm-hmm. I remember thinking that a lot. Like, I wasn't down with, like, Revenge of the Nerds and, real uh, like, Weird Science. And uh, what was that one with Val Kilmer where he's, like, a mega nerd? Oh, they, uh, they they pop popcorn in the professors. Real genius. Real genius. Like yeah. this, it's like none of that seemed like an authentic depiction of like nerd culture. And since I was a giant fucking nerd, it was offensive to me. Uh-huh. Uh So yeah, that's that's what a fucking pretentious asshole I was back in the day. <laughs> uh, and then like I remember, there's a site called Detonate.net that this guy had done these things called bastardizations where he essentially took in small gifts of frames of movies and put them in sequential order but rewrote the dialogue to be a commentary on hacker culture or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he did one for like the Matrix, uh, the Blade series starring Wesley Snipes, and Hackers. And I went back and, and reread his Hackers one for this. doesn't really hold up. No? <laughs> no. A lot, oh, of, a lot of the humor, a lot of the, the late late 90s internet humor doesn't really hold up. Um, but yeah, shall I get to, shall we get to Max's comments? Sure. Uh, or do we want to talk about what we thought of the movie or our relationship with the movie? Uh, I mean, I've, I've seen this movie countless times, at least 10. So you really, you, you, you agree with Max that this is like, you know, pin, oh, yeah. pinnacle when I say of mid nineties filmmaking. It's a classic hacking movie. I'm a hundred percent serious. Like this is the quintessential like hacking movie when I think of one, even above yeah. like, the net or or sneakers oh, yeah. or any of those mm-hmm. like i think of hackers first I, and i found the movie like ridiculous but in oh, a very in, in a very fun kind yeah. of way yeah uh, every, every character is just a, a caricature uh yeah all, all of the hacking with rare exception is completely preposterous mm-hmm. um th- there are some like social engineering techniques that i think are pretty good sure which is ninety uh, percent of hacking, right? Anyway. Right. But other than that, like all the technical stuff, uh-huh. when they show you swirling symbols and characters on a screen, right. and and you've got like neon acrylic decorated mm-hmm. mainframe offices and like shit like that yeah. is just ridiculous. But I love it for that. Yeah. Um, I was surprised at how much the movie got away with vis-a-vis. Like, I think there was one, maybe two f bombs, and. Mm. What well, was at the time 19-year-old Angelina Jolie's breasts? A couple of times. A yeah. couple of times. Yeah, yeah front and center. In uh, a PG-13 movie. You get you get a shot of Matthew Lillard's ass as well as yep. Joey, whoever whoever that actor is. Yep. Buttafuoco. 
Uh, sure, yeah. But <laughs> no, no, no. The emphasis on Heavy's butt. on butt and Foucault. Uh, so let's let's get to Max's commentary, and then we'll 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 take it from there. Okay. Uh, Max says, "I would love it if you guys review one of my high school favorites, Hackers. The movie came out when I was a senior in high school, 1995. Hey, hmm. class of '95, represent." And I remember it as a beautiful cross between a cool skateboarding video game, playing trance music, listening, computer subculture film, and a terribly awkward attempt to portray cutting-edge computer technology to an audience mostly familiar with basic word processing. Seems like the one where math symbols and equations wondrously float on the screen as a way of depicting the magic computer science are classic. Besides the film itself, I remember the soundtrack being amazing, purchased by me on both cassette and CD. Yes. Uh, as a... I've listened to the soundtrack... While programming, I don't know how many times. Because it's heavy on, like, Prodigy and... Yeah, like Electronica, mid-90s Electronica. Was it too early for Moby? Uh, no. Moby on there? I don't, I don't think it was too early for him. Uh, uh, maybe, slightly. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of that, like, Electronica, trance, dance yeah. kind of stuff. Stuff that's good in the background. Yeah. When you're doing other things that are important. <laughs> Uh, and I found the cast a strange mix. Johnny Lee Miller right before Train Spotting, Angelina Jolie right before pretty much everything, <laughs> Matthew Lillard, Mark Anthony, Pin Gillette, Wendell mm-hmm. Pierce, uh, f- Bunk from the Wire, yeah. uh, Michael Gaston, etc. I watched it again recently and struck by two themes which prompted the commission. First, as computer guys, I was curious what you thought of the actual hacking particularly given the technology and capabilities at the time. Scenes like Johnny Lee fighting someone for control of the local TV station's movie mechanical arm seem laughable, but some of the other stuff, like getting free long-distance phone calls, was actually real. I remember some guys in my high school had something called the Anarchist Cookbook, which explained all kinds of things about hacking, how to make free calls on payphones, uh, freaking, how to uh, trick change machines into giving you extra money, uh, in any case, it did seem like the movie tried to walk a fine line between being computer fantasy for the masses, but also throwing a bone to some of the computer experts at the time who actually might know the difference. Okay, let's take this first topic first. <laughs> How does this movie hold up both at the time it was made and now in like almost 30 years retrospect? Uh, how, do, how does the, the, the movie uh, hold up in terms of its depiction of hacking? I actually don't – it's, like, half bad and half good. Right. Like, I can tell that somebody was behind the scenes saying, this is how it should look. Because yeah. um, you have a lot of, like when, – when we were watching it, you noted, hey, these viruses actually kind of look – like on the user's end, what a virus might look like—cookie right. monster going across the screen—or right. like they'll do weird, stupid shit to your computer. Right. But then you look at like the plague in his neon acrylic fantasy world, right. pushing buttons on a desktop keyboard that can't possibly do no, anything. No, it looks like he's Kanye West mixing his latest beat. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know. it's completely absurd. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's a weird blend, like fifty-fifty, I'd say. Yeah, I feel like that. The core character of Zero Cool was a largely built around the reputation that Kevin Mitnick had at the time. Yeah. Because it's almost word like the same, like he got caught, he got essentially forbidden to use a computer or a, a, a payphone because they thought he could bring down the nuclear grid with like a by, by whistling into a handset. Like, yeah, there was a lot of sensationalized tales about about poor Kevin um, and. I felt like a lot of the core movie was taken from that, and a lot of that... It's kind of it reminds me a lot of, like, The Wire, where that was a very real depiction of things, but 
it was kind of anachronistic because the bust that actually happened in Baltimore around the pagers and payphones happened 10, 15 years in the past. Everyone else had moved on to burners and cell phones. And hmm. so it's like, yes, it's very realistic, but it's like you're, you're talking about stuff that was like more Matthew Broderick's war games level of freaking where you're mm-hmm. doing war dialing and auto dialing and and trying to scam long distance stuff. Um, that stuff was pretty realistic, but very dated. The actual hacking of computer systems and stuff was just fucking fantasy. I mean, yeah. all that. And what I thought was interesting <laughs> is how much the fears we had back in 95 about where hacking would go and, like, was so dismissed by, like, people that were generally into hacking culture have now been weaponized and are, in fact, used. Like, Stuxnet, which is this huge mm-hmm. worm that did billions of dollars of damage, was what everyone thinks a joint American-Israeli operation to destroy centrifuge machines in Iran. Yeah. Uh, and that was kind of like the first shot in the digital war, and now we've heard reports of, like, Russians uh, penetrating, like, electrical grid networks and have compromised personal information and banking information and and information of private individuals and politicians. Like, the cyber war... You know, begun these cyber wars have, and it's not a bunch of teenagers having fun mm-hmm. and poking the eye of the man. It's all the men in the world poking their own eyes and, yeah. you know, fingering each other's buttholes. And it's not as not as fun and whimsical. Yeah, and I think that's the the thing that the hackers of the age missed in their analysis. Right, uh, is just that not everyone is altruistic as them or as as good-natured as them or you know, that they're not curious people trying to explore and learn like yeah. the hackers all saw themselves yeah they're malicious people trying to yes. take down governments like yes that's the difference here you just don't see it from that side because that's not your perspective yeah or amoral corporations and governments that are attacking each other like this uh-huh. like if you go back and read like the hackers manifesto or any of this stuff like this this like it's so full of how self and like these people thought because they could do these things on networks and take advantage of these, that they were, like, gods. Like, they were above mm-hmm. the law. They were above, like, you know, national concerns and concerns of race and culture. And that all seems so fucking naive now. Like, like that, like, you were wizards of this arcane technology and maybe one a generation would be born instead of, like, the fact that there's thousands and thousands of people in China and Russia and the Department of Defense and the CIA and NSA mm-hmm. that are all wearing white shirts and black ties and doing this on the reg with no passion and no love. Yeah. I, it's, I mean, that's, that's the thing that uh, I don't think this movie saw coming. No, they were trying to build a movement that just wasn't realistic. Yeah, it's so weird. It's but it's like there's I can't think of many parallels. Like, like, like the FBI didn't stop John Dillinger robbing banks and then go on to rob banks themselves thirty years later. You know, mm-hmm. like it's such a weird thing where this is such this is this cybercrime and all oh, hackers and and yet this is you know is also the next I guess frontier of warfare. It's a really really weird thing. Did we talk about the social engineering aspect of it? 
Uh, that's the most accurate part of this movie. Right. And the thing that still works the best today. Yeah, it's ni- like 90% of hacking. Like, it's really hard to hack past systems, mm-hmm. especially well-designed systems. And as, ma- as, as mature as this technology, most large systems are very well defended. It's very easy to call up Alice or Bob in accounting and say, you forgot your password and could you do this or that, the other. Yeah. And just rely on people wanting to be nice and avoid conflict and get along to go along. Mm-hmm. Like, you know... Um, it it sucks. The other thing I thought was really realistic is I've been in an office in two different companies twice um, where a computer virus swept through the entire facility. Mm-hmm. And the depiction of, like, everyone sitting at their desks and, like, the screens doing something weird and everybody getting on the phone. Like, it is that is so fucking <laughs> realistic of what actually happens in a large installation when – and the panic and pandemonium when you lose control of your computer network. Yeah. Uh, that that was very realistic. Mm-hmm. The actual hacking, though, like you said, the like, I mean, the hacker battles that they have are especially ridiculous, wh- right? Like that TV station thing that that uh, Max is talking about, right, is completely preposterous in its depiction. Like, I believe that a couple hackers might hack, uh, it might have a hack battle over this TV station, but it would all be done on the command line, and it would all yeah. be like. Getting access to users that have been created for right. the other hackers' access and deleting right. those and right. like shit like that. It, it wouldn't, wouldn't be. Well, he took the tape out of my robot's hand. I guess I got to get it back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be minutes. a mechanical struggle between yeah. like, the, these two machines. Uh, no, I thought that was that was pretty funny. Um, although there is there the is final. a kernel of truth to that because a lot of the early really freaking and hacking was people fucking with satellite dishes and a, oh, a, yeah. satellite up feeds. Mm-hmm. Like there's a classic example of the early '80s where some dude, which is still unknown, took over HBO for like 15 minutes and did this demented <laughs> Max Headroom cosplay. Uh, you can look it up and see it on YouTube, but it's like you know that's amazing. Yeah, no, it was like fun stuff like that. I remember. When this movie came out, the rage was to take someone's website homepage and fucking deface it mm-hmm. and say, like, you were Jew, Jew, Jew were owns or by. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like all this elite speak. That was also fairly realistic depiction of hacker culture. Uh-huh. Uh, but as a person who was around that environment in 1995, like, I think they made it seem cooler because they mashed up like goth and punk and skateboard and. Like, you know, they mixed up all these different things into the hacker culture. Yeah. And it was also very, like, you know, diverse as far as gender and, like, racial makeup, which didn't seem very very true to life to me either. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's tough to know. I, I wasn't in the, you know, the, the major hacking scenes. Right. Like, uh, I'm sure New York had a vibrant hacking community. Right. Because um, that's where... I don't know. Some of the some of the central figures were based out of there. A lot of them in California, mm-hmm. uh, places like that. But yeah, I the the most ridiculous scene in the whole movie is probably the final hack the Gibson scene. Yeah, uh, you know, I with my help we could do it in three minutes. Uh huh. Not three, but uh, yeah, the, the plague just doing his thing and Pin and the the goons. I don't know the the squad of of jumpsuited freaks right. that they've got in there. Right. 
Uh, that whole scene is ridiculous. The system overlay where things are going red versus yeah. green, and he yeah. somehow gets information from that right. about what he needs to do and press on this giant desk-sized keyboard. Yeah, and we're like, Crash Override is like, bring all your best viruses to... You know, the essentially Grand the New Central York station. Yeah, Grand yeah. Central Station will find payphones and bring it down. Like it's Yeah. Not how that's not how any of that stuff works. <laughs> um But it, it is kind of fun to watch, I gotta say. I, I always wonder like why did Hollywood people think that random physics equations rotating mm-hmm. like a shitty Windows ninety five desktop um over people's heads rotating three sixty degrees was more interesting than just watching people like bash on a kernel or just type random shit into a terminal. That's what, like, Mr. Robot does right. Yes. Like, you know, just watching people do exploits, you don't even have to understand what it is, but, like, or, like, The Matrix got right, where Neo's sitting at this monochrome terminal and doing, like, that's where serious hacking happens. Like, I almost believe that you could get good enough at reading binary that as it scrolls down the screen like that, you could tell what was happening. Like, some kind of semi-visual readout. Yeah. But, like... Yeah, that's the interesting thing about Mr. Robot is I the thing they do so well, in my opinion, is while they're hacking and while they're doing the actual commands that hackers would actually mm-hmm. believe, mm-hmm. they're also narrating and saying what they're doing. Right. You know? And hackers doesn't really do much of no, that. No, they're just hacking. Like, when yeah. they're hacking, they're at a computer and their hands are flying at super speed and there's like classical Newtonian force equ- equations like rotating uh-huh. background and there's skull there's animated gif skull and crossbones uh but yeah it I, does a little bit of it through some of the characters that aren't hackers like right. um tony soprano's counselor therapist yeah uh she's constantly asking questions pin is kind of saying hey they just got into the kernel or whatever right. don't know what they're that is the but it's yeah. a, they're they're attacking the kernel it's panicking but uh, <laughs> yeah it's for the most part it's pretty ridiculous uh, his second question he wanted to ask, which is related, uh, this might be one of the first in a very long line of movies about hacking, and I thought it was interesting to see how they handled it as both a serious crime, while at the same time making sure you knew that the good guys uh, were the hackers and not the bumbling FBI. And most of they did was just elaborate pr- pranks anyway. And the last 21... 21- Man, that that's montage of Bunk from the Wire... Yeah. We'll we'll talk about that here in a minute. <laughs> so good because by my count, he was fucked with 120 times in like the space of 24 hours. What must his day have been like? Yep. Um, in the past 21 years, given exponential use and awareness of the internet, the escalation of identity theft, online voyeurism, and social media tro- trolling, WikiLeaks. With having national election manipulations potential, it seems like attitudes on hacking have changed. If the hacker hmm. stereotype is grossly overplayed in the movie, what is it now? I mean, that's... I don't know that they've changed. They've broadened. Yeah, because like I feel like the, in a lot of this... The, in 2016 is where it started to pivot, because like like Trump himself was talking about, oh, 300-pound pe- people in their mom's basement doing all this stuff. And now it seems like two years from it, it's the consensus is, no, these are actually large professional cyber warfare firms like like sanctioned by legitimate governments, um, our own and, and our adversaries that are doing this on a large scale. And it's not like a bunch of dudes in sweatpants and 3XL T-shirts swilling Mountain Dew. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not Matt, the Matthew Lillards of the world. No, I think the the 
the war has always been over the term hacker. Like, yeah. The the white hat hackers, the ex- exploratory hacker kind, versus cracker. Yeah, they wanted the word hacker to be their own, and they didn't want it taken away from them by the FBI and the the law enforcement that were hunting down people who were actual criminals. Right. They didn't want the term hacker to become synonymous with criminal, which it kind of has. Mm-hmm. Um, that definition, and I wouldn't say it's even changed in that way. I would say it's kind of stayed the same. Well, it's um, like Banksy's a criminal. Right. But he's not like, you know, rob a bank criminal. No. And like hackers were always criminal in the sense that they're they're ta- they're tagging graffiti, they're clogging a public bathroom. I'm like like stuff that like is prop essentially property damage or things that are embarrassing or humiliating to their targets, but no actual financial harm done to now massive financial harm done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like you know, one of the 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 attacks going around a couple of years ago was where you'd get this virus and it would essentially encrypt your hard drive, called ransomware, uh-huh. and you'd have to pay to decrypt it anywhere from fifty to a thousand dollars. And there's a lot of people made a lot of money, a lot mm-hmm. of money. Uh, so before viruses would just kind of fuck up your shit, now these viruses and worms and trojans can like steal your banking credentials and clean out your checkbook like it's it, the scale is no longer like oh someone spray painted you know a police officer with mace butterflies coming out of his gun it's now mm-hmm. like someone destroyed the bank you know yeah. someone blew up a bank and it's yeah which is sad because i feel like like right after the year 2000, like I think the hacker war had been won and the public consciousness was like, OK, hackers aren't that bad mm-hmm. and it's not something to be hysterical about. And now I just think that's, you know, that 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 war got re- resurrected and, and swiftly lost. Yeah. yeah. Like no one, no, no one I don't think would go and be like self-identify as a hacker out in public. Huh. Outside of like. I don't know. I think, the, yeah, there are communities well, like. Well, I was going to say, like, the security conference in Vegas. What the fuck is I. Right. Why am I blanking on um, Black Mesa? No, what Black, is Black Mesa. That's what it is. No, Black Mesa. Um, yeah. Shit. <laughs> DEFCON. DEFCON. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah like, like the, the, the DEFCON stuff. Like, yeah, you'd find people, and that's, like, you go to DEFCON, and you better be on your fucking toes, because, yeah. like... You better not connect to the wireless network. The, the public speakers are going to be trying to fuck with your cell phone, yeah. let alone Put the guys skulking Put your phone into airplane around. mode, yeah. or maybe just take the battery out, yeah. leaving yeah. your hotel room. Yeah, and it's also funny, because I remember, like... A lot of the battles back in the day were like, well, if you're stupid enough not to be running a firewall and doing all mm-hmm. this, well, then you deserve to be like whatever happened to you. Nowadays, you're, it's really impo- like, you know, the old adage of the only secure network is one that's unplugged mm-hmm. uh, is is more true than ever. But it's like, you know, people are getting companies are getting hacked all this all the time and it's not always about just gross negligence sometimes it's just like there's really nothing you can do to keep someone out of a system that they wanted badly enough yeah because ultimately the weak point is always their fucking human frailty i mean maybe advanced super advanced ai can keep this shit safe forever and not terminate us but uh <laughs> still waiting for that day to come uh anything else you want to say on that topic and you want us to like go into free form no let's just talk about the movie now okay uh 
Let I the first uh, one thing I noticed like in the changing the times is how like a SWAT is depicted in this movie, hmm. whereas it's essentially cops wearing recognizably police uniforms, like with ball caps. I didn't even really see like tactical armor. vests, and they yeah. and they have uh, you know uh, a, like like some sort of semi-automatic rifle. And they're like using a you know a door ram like a manual door ram versus like now where you really can't like when SWAT are depicted in media and in real life it's essentially they look like paramilitary look mm-hmm. like Delta Force or Navy SEALs smashing a place yeah they come in with the grenades going and it's like this overwhelming show of force like it's amazing in less than thirty years how you view like civilian police under SWAT teams versus how they're viewed like now like. Almost every metro police department looks like the SWAT team from 30 years ago. And mm-hmm. the SWAT guys look like fucking special forces operators. Right. Uh, so that was kind of interesting and breathtaking for me. Yeah, you're talking about the the intro where they bust in. To Zero Cool. To, yeah, Zero Cool's house. Uh, <laughs> I never really liked the style of that intro. Yeah, yeah. The, it doesn't feel like the of a low piece. frame rate slow mo doesn't do it for me. It feels choppy in a bad way. Uh, yeah, I know they're going for something stylistic, and I don't even know if they had the footage to do it. Like, did they? They must have shot this on film. Mm-hmm. Surely, they shot it. Well, maybe they didn't have a high enough frame rate to mm. really make this slow mo look good, but. Mm. It's bad the way it is. They like like made the decision in editing rather than like, hey, we're I, actually I going like it, yeah. to shoot this in in slow mo. Uh huh. Yeah, but it could be also because there's a lot of like what I would call weird experimental techniques in here. Oh yeah, because it's supposed to be like high tech, in your face, and disruptive, and, and yeah, cool. like all the intercut movie clips yeah. that they do, yeah, um, yeah showing yeah. people's emotions and right. what they're thinking. Yeah, I think it's actually pretty cool. Stylistically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but maybe that first one is like that was an intentional choice to go with like that jittery kind of feel, and it you know, Mm -hmm. it just didn't work, or doesn't doesn't work today. Uh, We talked a little bit about how many famous actors are in this, or soon to be famous, I suppose. Right. Uh, The list is extensive. Like Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't believe seeing all the faces, even though I've seen this movie so many times. Just the sheer number, like. Every everybody from the '90s I can think of was in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Angelina Jolie obviously is the most famous person now, right? To come from this movie, I would say probably Bunk, probably Wendell Pierce is the second most famous. He's been in a lot of high profile HBO stuff, sure. Um, and I don't know who. I mean, Stephen Fisher, uh, Fishers is that? I think it's Stephen Fisher. Fisher. Uh, yeah. Uh, He's been in a lot of stuff that I like. No, Fisher Stevens. Fisher Fisher Stevens, sorry. He's got one of those names that's easy to, to mix up. Yeah, so this is literally the first time I've been aware that I was watching the Indian guy from Short Circuit. Yeah. Like this, like, I've heard the story. <laughs> like, the first time I heard is Kamel Nanjiani talking about this guy doing a full-on Apu from The Simpsons as a white guy, just like a full-on brown face. And that was only yeah. 10 years before this movie's made. Mm-hmm. And seeing him out, it's like... It's really jarring. It's really jarring that someone <laughs> thought that that was going to be cool. Yeah. Like, let's just get this white guy, 
get some shoe polish out, have him do an outrageous stereotypical Indian guy accent, and we'll make two very successful movies about robots about it. Mm-hmm. And it's also funny because like we made this joke at the end of the movie where he's like dressed up as this old man to try yeah. to like wouldn't it be hilarious if he like just pulls out you know whatever the fuck his, his name his old short circuit costume yeah yeah ganesh or whatever his name was in in, in short circuit like it'd be you know it's like oh this is not you know i'm not even gonna try to do the accent because yeah don't don't need that in my life um but more recently i've seen him in uh always sunny he's the the bar reviewer that gives him a bad review oh, and shit, they, really? they tie him up yeah okay they okay take him, take him hostage okay so i guess i have seen him and not even realized it yeah uh Huh. Interesting. I wonder what else he's been in that I would never recognize him in. Because that's the thing. Oh. If your if your first breakout role is playing an Indian guy that's like virtually unrecognizable out of makeup, then uh-huh. like, did you really have a breakout role? I, I don't know. It's like you know Bobcat Goldwaite, the actor. Like what he is in real life is nothing like his bobcat or his wildcat or whatever fucking police academy character but he like was forced to be that for many many years in public until he got into producing and directing um (laughs) i don't know i wonder like i I wonder if there's any interviews where people ask this uh fisher's guy like what he thought about short circuit and what he thinks about it now and like Mm -hmm. you know i don't i i like times have definitely changed i'm not saying he's a bad guy it's just really fucking surreal yeah so, and I imagine if you were an Indian American at the time, it must have been even more so. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, anyway, um, my my, I want to talk about my favorite character here in a second. But okay. Two two other people that I want to talk about: uh, Michael Gaston, who we know better as Dog Shooter from The Leftovers. Yeah, he's in this as one of the FBI agents, and then his partner is Mark Anthony, the singer, the yeah pop pop musician, Latino. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um and. He's a weird character in this movie because he kind of sympathizes with the hackers. Like, he is – he desperately wants to be a hacker. Like, he's attending these house parties, and, and this whole plot goes nowhere. I wonder if there was something that was cut from the movie or the script. But he, like, shows up randomly at a house party mm-hmm. where the hackers are, and you think, oh, shit, they're going to get the drop on these hackers because there's Mark Anthony pretending to be one. Right. But it doesn't go anywhere. No. Nah. No, it doesn't. It's weird. Where was Mark Anthony's musical career? Like that's before he actually had one, wasn't it? Maybe. I feel like when I don't he got with J Lo, that was in the early two thousands, and that was kind of his peak. But yeah, all that I, shit's I a blur. Remember. That's all shit's a, a blur for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I also thought um, there was a couple other things I I thought were pretty accurate, like the frustrations of being an IT worker, where like. Essentially, back before you know this guy is like the arch villain of the film, uh, this this the plague guy comes in his boardroom and says, "Hey, this happened to one of our boats, and here's this thing, and it's developed." And like none of these executives even fucking knew there was a problem. This guy is telling him the problem, the plan, and then they're instantly up his ass, wanting to know when it's going to be fixed, if it's going to be fixed tomorrow. And it's like, uh-huh. what the fuck? It's like. You know, if you tell someone, hey, I think it's it, these equations say it's possible to split the atom, and then they're like, well, why isn't it split tomorrow, nerd? Like, like the idea that you're trying to – you're being managed by people that have no fucking clue mm-hmm. your job. And if you weren't doing their your job, how fucked they would be. But, yeah, how, like, weirdly armchair quarterback it all is. Yeah. Uh, that's very – I mean, I'm sure it's gotten better now. Um, IT is so – 
you know, IT has gone from being like the step, the, the redhead step, stepchild of accounting to being like its own like co-equal branch in most most companies especially and sometimes they are the 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 department wearing the pants in like it you know tech companies uh i'm sure it's gotten better but boy god that really that really gave me a lot of flashbacks when i was just (laughs) seeing him and like interacting with the board Uh uh-huh um i mean i don't know would it kill the guy to wear a suit and get a haircut and like maybe fit in with the culture a little bit more Probably not, but then he wouldn't be able to be, I'm the plague. (laughs) but Mr. the plague. Yeah. Uh, You know, he could have probably avoided all the jail time and all the hassle if he just emptied his recycle bin. Yeah. Like, it's a garbage file they find, right? A junk file. But that's how he... He could have just zeroed out out the free space on the hard drive. Yeah, I... I, Like, if if you're running a worm uh that's going to steal $25 million from his company, you'd think you'd take some precautions. But I wasn't that... Wasn't that the the reason it was in the garbage? Because that was the vector that he was using to infect it. Like, I thought that that was essentially he was hiding... It was running from the garbage? Yeah, he's hiding the payload in this garbage thing that, Mm. you know, people wouldn't normally... Like, a hacker wouldn't come. Okay, into, maybe so. Because I was, I had some questions. I tried to keep score of like how plausible the actual plot is. Because yeah. essentially, the scheme is Superman three. You're gonna write something that just nibbles a sense. Okay, Office Space. Yeah, it, which yeah, it was just right. the same which thing is... as saying it's it's Office Space. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, you're going to have this thing that just nibbles a little bit, and hopefully Michael Bolton doesn't fuck up the scaling and it takes a right. dollar instead of a penny. Because then you're gonna be fucked. Yeah. But well, the the the. I don't really want to call it genius because it seems obvious. The thing here was he wasn't actually removing it from the company's account. Well, every single day he was move- shifting it to another account. Yeah, that and, that would then accumulate up to twenty five million, and then he would dump it to his own account. Yeah, so and, then, and then the other thing that's that is kind of smart about it being in a garbage file is that he was his whole plan was to then do a large act of actual cyber terrorism like sinking these boats that would cause this ecological disaster that would then be pinned on some hackers that he was going to he was going to frame. Right. So like there's like eh, you know, as far as plots go, it's like not the worst part of this stupid movie. Oh, easy. Uh yeah. let me ask you this. Why is VR technology exactly the same as it was 30 years ago? Like, I was shocked. It's the best we can do. I was shocked when they see this guy getting this VR rig, and it looks exactly like a modern-day uh, Oculus Rift with the exact same controllers and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, how in the fuck has things not gotten a little closer to uh, Ready Player One? I mean, we had VR like, right in the Like, we're closer to the future as depicted timeline-wise to Ready Player One than we are to 1995. Uh-huh. <laughs> How is VR technology still these big, goofy fucking visor helmets with ridiculous-looking Falcon F-15 things that you're holding in your hands? I don't know, man. Why isn't it better? That's the best That's the best VR experience we could possibly hope to have. I guess so. Which, you know, maybe, maybe, I, don't, I, maybe I don't want it. Uh, is the boat automation ahead of its time? I don't, I don't really know, because he's... He says that like all of the boats are on autopilot, GPS navigation. There they are can't... no people controlling them whatsoever. No, that's bullshit. It's got to be ahead of the time. Yeah, that's... like I would believe that now, maybe. Right, right. But not then. And also, like the thing is, I think the idea was they weren't controlling the navigation. It was much lower level, like the boat's ability to. Because this is like, I don't know if oil tankers have, but cruise ships have the ability to. 
uh, on the fly adjust their ballast and like with thrusters to maintain a certain attitude in the water. Um, mm-hmm. So the captain's at the wheel, but does the captain have the ability to turn that shit off and, you know, go with manual control of the ballasting and self-writing systems? I don't know. And that's. That's always like the most the more elegant hack is it's not like um, you see in the movies where people like take control and have the tankers meet in the middle of the bearing straight and ram each other. It's always yeah. like I, I noticed that about like Mr. Robot and like, you know, we, we've both read Artemis, the follow up to the Martian about the moon. And like the the hacks are always elegant, like bypasses of tertiary systems that like you you're you're not you're not taking over the steering wheel you're stopping a fan mm-hmm. that will allow a battery bank to overheat that will short out a circuit board that will then make the thing inoperative it's never as spectacular yeah. as awesome as as it looks in in the movies right but it's still it's still effective mm-hmm. but i guess you know, the idea that hackers would just make oil tankers sit in the water for two days and how many millions of dollars that would cost the companies involved, that's not as exciting as, like, fucking flipping them over and having them leak all over the place. Sure. Um, oh, man. Can we talk about the Hack the Planet TV show? The Hack I- the Planet! You mean the YouTube series if it was made in 2018? Uh, yeah. <laughs> These guys totally would be on YouTube. Razor I guess it would, but they wouldn't look like... I mean... Eh, they might. They might look like that. Well, the, the idea that so the idea is that there is this pirate TV signal that you tune in at a certain point of the day, and then these guys who are dressed up like geisha girls do these like twenty-year-old phone freaking hacks for mm-hmm. like five minutes, and then that's that's your you know that that's your daily dose of hack the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you're right. It 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 would make more sense as a YouTube series. nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. But they wouldn't be caught dead in, in makeup and 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 geisha girl outfits, and it'd be very hyper masculine. Mm. There'd be skulls and like all kinds of stuff involved. I don't know. Uh huh. Um, but what I thought it, that was like one of the most like kind of ridiculous, or the fact that they would hide out in this lair that looks like one of the fucking neon gangs from a uh, um, <laughs> who who did who ran Batman into the ground as a Bruckheimer. Uh, sure. No, it wasn't that. Sounds that. right. It's whoever. You know, the guy to put nipples on Batman. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, they, they they hide in these, like, super neon, black-lit rave caves mm-hmm. uh, when they're not hacking. Like, that's all ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, just, I feel like everybody's name in this is pretty ridiculous, too. We talked oh, yeah. about Zero Cool. Uh, you just mentioned Razor and Blade. Yeah, uh, as two of the hackers. serial killer. Serial killer is Matthew Lillard and Acid and Burn. Acid Burn, and then they do this mashup of Crash and Burn, which I thought was pretty funny. Right, right. Uh, you got Nikon, Lord Nikon, who is got the guy with the photographic memory. Yeah, uh, Joey, who doesn't have a fucking handle. He's just Joey. he's trying. He's trying to get one throughout the movie. Doom. No, he's not trying hard enough. No, no. Uh, I don't know because that's the thing. Like I saw back, I do. I never really gotten that, obviously hacking, but I was around like the pirate scene yeah. back in the late '80s, early '90s, and you could have as a ridiculous name as you wanted, as long as you delivered a zero day wares. That was like it's like the name wasn't as cool as the rep. So like, sure. um, I don't know, like one of the one of the biggest hackers in the local scene is this guy named Uncle Uncle Scrooge. <laughs> uh, that's like a ridiculous Ducktales reference. 
but you know guy delivered the goods guy could fucking crack the copy protection on a piece of software lickety split and the the other one of the reasons why I say I think there was someone behind the scenes who knew a thing or two about hacking for real, yeah, is because they serial killer at some point makes it clear, or at least I think he's telling the truth that his name is Emmanuel Goldstein. Oh um, right, which you know he references 1984 in the movie, which mm-hmm. if you're not familiar, that's a character from 1984, but it's also. Um, one of the, I guess, the alias of the guy who started 2600 Hacker Magazine. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, like a pretty deep cut from an early time in hacking. Yeah. And it was also like the Gibson supercomputer was named after William Gibson, who invented uh-huh. the term cyberspace. I think, isn't he the one who wrote Snow Crash or a ne- uh, the uh, Cybermancer? Or what was uh, it? Like, s- s- Nomicon, Cryptonomicon. Neuro, I thought it was Neuromancer, Neuromancer or something like that. I can't remember. Uh, One of them is Neil Stevenson, I think. Uh, Neuromancer, yeah. Neuromancer. He, wrote, he wrote Neuromancer. Okay. I don't know who wrote Snow Crash. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of like homages to hacker culture in this movie. Yeah. Which is funny. Oh, Neil Stevenson is one wrote yeah. Snow, Snow Crash. Um, which is funny because like, my recollection is hacker culture broadly thought this like like... This is be like if um, the Adam West Batman came out to honor the hardcore fans of the Dark Knight. Uh-huh. Like it's largely seen as this this ridiculous lampooning of their culture that no one that no true no true Scotsman hawk, hacker would ever would, would would think is cool or had something uh, going on. And there's also just like a lot of like weird like the plague who is like a forty year old man. Uh, Marty McFly's the hero with a floppy disk where he literally has a guy in a caddy pull a, pull him up with a, the skateboard and he slaps mm-hmm. the, the disk out of his hand and rides off in the night. Yep. Like, who thought that was going to be cool? I don't know. Who thought the fake Indian guy from uh, Short Circuit could, like, pull off a Marty McFly seat? I don't get it. The other thing that really confused the shit out of me throughout the movie is the dream sequences. Oh, yeah. Like, you'd be in deep to, like... Uh, you know, Angelina Jolie and this, uh, you know, crash override getting down and then like mm-hmm. FBI agents would be involved and there's a crazy stuff or, you know, crash override be wearing weird women's lingerie and then like it turned out, oh, that's Angelina Jolie's dream. And then that happened several times yeah. where I thought like, why are they keeping going back to this exact same well through all these different characters? It is a little weird, but I especially love their reactions both times because well, they're disturbed by them yeah. and I, they think they're nightmares but then they think again and it, maybe that was a good dream right. I don't know and then who'd you say the Lord uh, Nikon uh huh so he knows he's busted at one point oh no this is um this is a guy from Con Air who whose okay, actual okay. name I don't know in the movie so he knows he's going to be busted by the FBI and he goes home and there's a show of him frantically going through all of his hacker books and like ripping pages out and getting rid of it uh huh and then he goes. And then he goes to sleep, and he gets raided by the FBI. And he, and I'm like, I'm like, why the f-? like? He knew this was going to happen. Like this fucking thing should be squeaky clean. Yeah. And then he wakes up and it's a nightmare. I'm like, oh, okay, well that makes sense. But then the FBI raid him, and suddenly he's in like, oh, why did you just show me a scene of him going home and cleaning everything? It'd be like if Mr. Robot went home and did a full down, like one of his like full purges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Where like he burns and then up the and then the, and... yeah, and then the co- and then smash it with a hammer. And then the cops come and it's like, okay, well, what are you going to find? I got some broken microchips in my gar- garbage, and I probably took them down five blocks away to a different dumpster. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? But he must have done that because he 
is with them during the hack at Grand Central Station. So they picked him up, but they didn't find anything. Yeah, he must have done the clean wipe. And and he also dreamed it. And you're right, though. It's a very weird mix of realities. Yeah. Can I ask you what uh, Crash Override had strapped to his head in the final uh, hacking sequence? He looks like he had a 1995 prototype of the Google Glass. Oh, yeah? I'm not even sure Google was invented at that time. I think we were still making do with... Alta Vista and Yahoo, mm-hmm. but like somehow Google tra- time traveled three years into the past, invented Google Glass, a shitty 1995 version of it, strapped at this poor kid's head. What? What the hell is that? It looks like a a high tech steampunk douchebag monocle. I mean, you could say that of literally anything that serial killer is wearing in its entire movie. Yeah, like what the fuck serial is wrong with trying you? very hard. He is. Uh, he's my favorite character because of it. Mm. He makes almost no sense when he speaks, but he's so entertaining to watch. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like about... this and SLC Punk put Matthew Lillard on the map for me. Right. I mean, to me, Matthew Lillard made is... him an icon. Honestly, M- Matthew Lillard is my Chris Tucker. Okay. Like I, I just that. I he's nails on a chalkboard in every movie uh-huh. I've ever seen him in. Uh. So I don't know. He was like okay in SLC uh, Punk, and I uh, quite liked his alcoholic, neurotic journalist routine in The Bridge uh-huh. before The Bridge like fell off the cliff. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, nah, he, uh, he he the young young uh, Matthew Lillard was uh, a lot for me to take. Uh, the other thing that I found confusing, and I want to know if you had insight since you've seen this movie, you know, uh, fifteen hundred and seven times. Why does Crash Override have scratches on his neck? Like he's got I prominent human fingernail scratches, but if he got them in the commission of something, I did not did not see it. Yeah, I really don't know. I was confused by that too. Uh, I also thought it was funny that like when Angelina Jolie uh, pr- uh, played the prank about sending him to the the pool on the roof or whatever, that like there's like you know thirty nerds up there that had all been played the prank on them, and they all know that the door swings shut behind them, and yet they're <laughs> all, like, 50 yards away, crowding the rail of the building, and no one's sitting by the door to catch it when someone comes up there. Right. Like, 30 times this has happened, you fucking nerds, <laughs> and none of you have had the presence of mind to post a person there to catch the door. Like, mm-hmm. you're just going to rely on, don't let the door shut as the guy's walking towards you. Like, come on. Come on, nerds. This is why this is why you get the pink bellies and the purple nurples. Don't want a victim blame. <laughs> But come on, come on. Uh, what about what about the acting from the lead, John, from Johnny Lee Miller? It's not good. No, I, I agree. Not good. It's, it's pretty bad, actually. In and fact, I think everybody else is good. They're okay. Johnny yeah. Lee Miller is not charismatic in this movie at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way he delivers lines, just I was shocked that they made it to the film. Yeah, you. I remember a couple times where we were just talking about the exact line reading he gave was like, why would you not... Why Is that the best take? It had to be the only take. <laughs> it had to be. Because if you had some of these things where, you know, he just like kind of slurred his words or just like, like he was literally reading off the paper for the first time, uh, like the emotion he was putting into is wildly off base. But I, I, I thought most people on this were just okay. Like, even Wendell Pierce, like, I really like him. He does a hmm. lot, but he's just got this broad, hammy performance. Um, 
Angelina Jolie is that though. Angelina Jolie was like dressed ridiculously and made up ridiculously, uh-huh. but like she's Angelina Jolie is super fucking hot and plays that like you know weird girl so well that like. She's kind of a Harrison Ford of her type, where she doesn't need to work with a lot to get the the point across. But like, yeah. she wasn't doing anything that I would say is it was super interesting or special. Hmm. I thought everyone shit, was she's exactly only nineteen what they and she's in the be. movie hat. Well, fair point. Like that's that's the point of this movie is not to showcase amazing acting. Yeah, it's to create characters that you enjoy watching. I guess the thing and is, it, is like they did that. I, I feel like. This this movie could have been a hell of a lot better. Like, have you seen sure. Have you seen Matthew Broderick's War Games lately? Uh, not lately. No, I've seen it like eight years ago, and I remember thinking, like, "Wow, this holds up a lot better uh-huh. than I thought." And this is like a serious movie that's contemplating serious things. At no time did I think that about hackers, but it's so close. Like, if they had a slightly mm. less ridiculous depiction of hacking. <laughs> and they didn't try to make hacking try to be like like David Bowie cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they gave like maybe the villains were a little bit more fleshed out. Like he's, it's a you know a really tense kind of like standoff between these hackers and the FBI and this greedy multinational company and the amoral. Yeah, but I feel like that's not what this movie is trying to be. But why? Like, this movie why? could be that if they changed everything about it, but this is the Fast and Furious of hacking. This is not, like, antitrust, right? Well, like, see, I think it fails at that because it's not over... Like, that's the thing is, like, I'm always astounded when I watch these Hollywood things uh, that why don't people always try to make the very best version of the thing they're trying to make? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that the answer is studio interference and executives saying, well, we need Angela and Julie to have a fishnet top and short tits. And like, we, there, there's, there's probably all kinds of reasons for that, but it still like gobsmacks me how very close this movie flirts with being a good movie that would stand up to the ages and, and actually hmm. be maybe important to the, the, the cultural milieu of its time to like have these conversations about cybercrime and stuff. And they're just like content to be, like Fast and the Furious. Yeah, but I love Fast and the Furious and I love this movie. Like this is a classic movie to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, that's... you you seeing it as a 40-year-old man mm. is very different than me as a 13-year-old watching this movie. I love this movie. I still think that Fast and the Furious, well, it's just so weird because like I think the first Fast and the Furious is a terrible film. And like the second one and the third are even worse. And at when some they start point, to lean into the silliness. Yeah, at some yeah. point at like four, they're like, you know what? Why are we fucking around? Why don't we just make the very best like balls out crazy version of this thing? Mm-hmm. And like they fast. So like maybe if they had it was a hackers four, they'd round it into. I feel like hackers one hit it. Like yeah, you this really? is the ridiculous, crazy, over the top. I version needed of it hacking. to be a little, a little crazier, and I needed huh. to be like, like. Uh, I think of the main crew of Fast and the Furious, and I think of like oh. you know Ludacris and uh, 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 you know Vin Diesel and you know Paul Walker and how they're all very like none of, they're all very charismatic. There's no one that you like this guy. God damn, I cannot believe he's on screen. <laughs> he's useless, right? Uh-huh. Like that's literally everyone except for maybe Angelina Jolie and crash override in this movie uh-huh. they needed they need and then and also like you know bunk from the wire is a joke character yeah and so is the plague mm-hmm. like none of the villains in fast and the furious are jokes they're serious threats right hmm. like uh 
I suppose, yeah. But, but maybe that's the thing is like, you know, all the classic, most of the classic Arnold Schwarzenegger badass movies suffer from the same thing. They're villains. You can't take them serious. So maybe this is just a thing where, I don't know. I don't know. To me, it has all of the ingredients that make it into a truly ridiculous but enjoyable film. Mm-hmm. I did like, I want to talk more about Bunk getting pranked because the fight, we, we don't know how many times he got pranked. <laughs> But when they come back to the final one, which is they faked his death, they made it seem like he was dead on paper. Uh-huh. That was worth one point. One point. And it brought the score to 60 to 60. <laughs> Tied at 60. So faking the man's death was worth one point. I have to imagine that inviting all of the transvestite escorts uh-huh. to the city to like hit on oh, him. You want to lick, lick this. Yeah, that, that's got to be worth the point. Uh, like, you know, they probably got, well, like, what's, what's the classic prank of, uh, um, you know, faxing a piece of all black paper that you've taped into a continuous loop so you just waste all their ink. Like, oh like, like, is that worth half a point? Like, by my account, they fucked with this man, hundred this FBI agent, 120 <laughs> times in the space of a week. Uh-huh. Like, what was his life like, and how in the hell did they not get caught? Uh, yeah, no, it must have been hellacious. Like, he's got a very good sense of humor when it's about him, but if they fuck with this company, oh, yeah. that's when the fire and the br- fury and the brimstone come out. <laughs> uh, but no, that's the. It's like, man, the scale. Like, did you guys really think when you're keeping score of like what this guy's life would be like? Yeah, because I've thought about it, and it's haunting. It should have been like three to three. Yeah, if they were really keeping score. Yeah, because uh, that's about what they showed in the montage too. Yeah. So I think, and that, man, they hack from everywhere. That yeah. Montage. They hack mostly from a, a phone booth in Chinatown, but they also hack from like the top of a skyscraper. From a, an antenna up there, yeah, through the GPS, or got to bounce it off through systems. a Pringles yeah. can and off of a radar di- or off of a direct TV dish, and some glamorous hacking right there. Nothing but bunk. You hit I, nothing but bunk. I do love the laptops that are that oh, are yeah. displayed. Um, like Libby has this crazy, awesome laptop. It's two that, inches thick. Yeah, it's got it's, it's got two inch not portable. It's got two inch bezels on every side of its fucking LCD, uh-huh. tiny ass eight inch maybe LCD screen. Yep, but that's that, and it's state of the art. The risk proce- risk architecture is going to change everything. Oh yeah, the P the P six processor. Right. Um, but I mean that that's legit. Like hot laptops back then were. Oh yeah, they were thirty bulky. pounds and fat as hell and they burnt your crotch and their screens were terrible. <laughs> I can't decide if my favorite laptop is the transparent one that the plague sends to crash override. That looked like cool. a pretty that looked like a pretty sweet laptop. That yeah. did. Or if it's um when Zero Cool spray paints his laptop in like a camouflage yeah, color. Yeah, to to do that the hacking competition. Yeah. Um do you have a favorite laptop of all time? probably the one i have now honestly hmm. like, but do you this, don't have a soft spot because i remember the first time i actually felt like i could do a full day's work on a laptop there is this um ibm thinkpad butterfly mm. they called it i don't mm. know what the model name is but when you, it was like this you know it's probably about the size of my surface now and when you open it up the keyboard somehow like shifted mechanically and spread like like expanded to like three inches over so you have a full-size keyboard yeah. into something that's only 10 inches wide when it's collapsed, and as you would shut the screen, it would retract back into its case. It was so fucking cool. Yeah, that like, is cool. I yeah, I love shit like that. That's my, that's my. If I could get that computer right now with modern day performance, I probably would. Because hmm. like every every laptop keyboard I've had, 
I mean, I've never had like an ultra wide. What do you got? A Mac Pro there? Mm-hmm. Um, every keyboard, every every laptop I've had, I've never felt like it's a fully comfortable keyboard. Huh? Because uh, it's just like you have to make sacrifices, this the size and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't have a numpad. I wish I had a numpad. <sighs> Boy, you'd be rolling a really really thick and wide <laughs> yeah. machine if you had a numpad on it. Damn. Uh-huh. Damn. Maybe, 100... maybe it would flop out when I close my screen. There you go. Close it back in. Ch- yeah. It's like it's called the catapult. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I got to give it up to Johnny Lee Miller, though. The one line that he can deliver is when he says, shit. Yeah. Like twice in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Once when the plague crushes his stereo and then. Yeah, that's so funny. This guy's <laughs> got his baseball bat and he's trying to be menacing and he just uh-huh. smashes the stereo, you know. Not even a really nice one. It's just like a shitty. Wouldn't you be, it's like a Walmart, $10 Walmart yeah, it's not even boom a, box. It's, it's not a fucking boom box. No. It's a GFX $15 portable mm-hmm. radio. <laughs> With tape, with tape cassette player. Yep. Oh man, I'm gonna have to go to Walmart and shout under fifteen bucks. Plague. Whatever, whatever shall I do? All right. Well, I think we are. We have plumbed the depths of mm-hmm. the the hacker subculture, uh, the hacker movie. Uh, you now know everything about hacking that there is to know. Yep. That's yep. worth knowing anyway. Yep. Uh, hacking's not a crime, and if it is, it's only a crime of curiosity. Uh, <laughs> but thanks Max for, uh, having us watch this movie. Like Jim was super excited about it and I'm like, yeah, fuck it. It's probably time for me to watch this movie. I had, a, the I, had a, I had a really good time watching it. We had a lot of laughs and retrospect. It would have yeah. made a, it would have made it for a killer, uh, live watch experience. But, um, speaking of killer live watch experiences, we got one coming up, uh, an experimental thing where a gentleman has requested us watch the John Woo classic, Hong Kong action film uh, Hard Boiled mm-hmm. and it's not going there's not going to be a podcast it's just going to be a live watch experience um, so look for that when it comes out uh, that's probably going to be we've got like we've, we've got a couple that we're working on uh, right now um, Hard Boils there's one for uh, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex of select animated uh, anime series we're going to be doing and then uh yeah then we've got a whole bunch of other cool stuff coming up we're getting slowly caught up we're getting very we're getting closer to you know uh, announcing what we're going to be doing with the commission queue when it finally reopens and all that uh still not ready to talk about it yet uh you still cannot commission a podcast because we still have 12 outstanding ones and we're trying to get all caught up before we reopen it but there'll be some news about that real soon. Uh, you can get all of our commission podcasts at baldmove.com. I already told you what's coming up. I think we're ready to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Thanks again, Max, for commissioning this movie. Thanks for your support of Bald Move. Uh, until the next time, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. See ya. <laughs>